You know, I'm going to change things up a little bit this morning, um, and I hope you'll be okay with it, because I'm just not feeling, and you'll, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about this morning. I love where they talked about me and God. Um, I mean, talk about important, us and Him. You know, there, there's so much I could say in regards to that um, as I come before you this morning, not feeling worthy at all to share um, at all this morning. I have to be honest with you, as I shared with our Sunday school class, um, I don't know, the Lord's just working on my heart, and, uh, and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I've had a great weekend. Um, for those who don't know, it was my birthday on Friday, and I got to spend it with Josh and uh, um, Brooke uh, in Bemidji, which was a blast. We had a great time at their wedding. Some people from the church were there, got to hang out with them. And uh, just, uh, just a blessing of a weekend. But then to come this morning and to share, and, and as many of you know, typically I wouldn't dress like this. This isn't me. Uh, I'm typically dressed up. Um, but I'm not feeling it this morning. Because I don't want to be someone that comes this morning to preach at you. I want to come alongside you this morning in what I have to share. And I feel like being up there, it's like, you know, like I'm preaching at, and I don't want it at all. I want this to be a conversation. In fact, I'd love for you guys just to, to share back a, a, as I share. Because what I'm going to be talking about this morning is counterculture. When you do things differently, when you are different, it makes you uncomfortable. Anybody ever go into a situation totally uncomfortable? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of hands. Everybody's hands should be up. You go into a situation that you're not comfortable with, and right away you're like on pins and needles. And that's a little bit about the way I feel this morning. Because when you do things differently, it isn't comfortable. But I don't see in Scripture, I don't see in Jesus' life where he said, you know, this is going to be easy. This is just going to be a cakewalk, and you're going to go and do it, and it's going to feel good, and you're going to get all this praise and acclamation. Was that the way Jesus lived his life? Not at all. Jesus was ridiculed. He was put down by the religious leaders. He was eventually killed because he was different. See, I did something a little different. Ellert and I, it was the end of April. We went to a conference in Thief River that I, I got invited on Friday night to share about a lifestyle change that I made in my life that did things differently. I went through what they call the CHIP program, and it helps you to eat differently. It helps you to... to see the value of nutrition in your life. And I changed some things because I saw some numbers of mine going to a direction I didn't want them to go. And it has helped my life tremendously. And I continue with that stuff today. But it was different, and I started to eat different, and I did things differently at home. I did differently things differently when I went to my mom's house. That's really the hardest trouble my mom doesn't understand. Well, why don't you eat meat? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You've changed. Yes, Mom, I've changed. I've changed for the better. I've changed to try to stay off of medication as long as I can in my life. That's my goal, to stay off the meds. See, I have a brother that has the same stuff going on. He's on blood pressure medicine, and he's on high cholesterol medicine. I don't want to go there. So I've changed some things. But it makes things uncomfortable for myself when I do things and for family members and those around me. But I've cho chosen that. I've had to wait, stay away from current things and current foods. Some of them, some of them I still partake in and still enjoy. 
but I've had to change some things, which makes it uncomfortable. But this morning, when we look at the Scripture, when we see what we're going to see this morning, we're not told that this life on this earth is to be comfortable. It's to be stuff that we just go with the current culture and, and, and that, that things are going to be good. See, folks, we as Christians are counter to the current culture, are counter to a lot of what this world produces, a lot of what this world stands for. And so it's real easy for us at times to be able to just slide with the rest of it, just kind of get into the groove, just kind of meld right into where everybody else is going and things are good. Jesus told us we're to be salt and light. We're to be light where there's darkness. We're to be salt where the things need to be purified. That's our role. So this morning as we look at some different things, it actually this was going to be a, a three-part service. We were going to look, or three-part message, uh, but as I got into it, I never got past the first part because we're going to look at three different perspectives. Or we were going to, but this morning we're only going to look at one, and that's our mind. But I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, and I'd like to read just a short portion of Scripture there before we begin. 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm going to start in verse 11. It says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it will also be plain to your conscience. Now this is Paul speaking. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning as I shared... We're going to be talking about counterculture, doing things a little differently. And as we even read in the scripture that Paul is talking here, it says so much. But in that, before we start, let us just take a moment to pray. Father, you know my heart this morning. Lord, you know that I'm not comfortable. You know that, that I'm finding this very difficult. But this morning, Lord, I come to be your messenger, to be your mouthpiece, to share what you would want shared, 
And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. That it wouldn't be my words, Lord, as much as I would like to share, as much as I would like to be lifted up and think that I'm some great speaker. But, Lord, that it is you. That you humble me this morning, Lord. You make me uncomfortable, Lord, to be able to share what you want shared this morning. So, Lord, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for the work you're doing in their lives. I thank you for the word that they will hear from you this morning. I pray, Lord, that it would bear fruit in the lives of each one here. And it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, as we look at this scripture, I want to just highlight two verses of what I just read. In verse 11, it says, Since we know then what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. See, I would love to try to persuade you this, this morning to be more like God, to do things maybe more the way I would see it. But I don't want to persuade you at all. I want the Lord, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning through what he has to share through this. And that it will be plain to you. Paul goes on in verse 13 talking about being out of his mind. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. At times I feel like I'm out of my mind. <laughs> um, the things I, that, I don't have them, that I don't have them right. But I hope in that even as I try to share and I may get things wrong, that you will hear the Lord, that you won't hear Mike's words, that you will hear him. And if it's in my right mind, if you're able to make understanding of what I say, that it would, again, bear fruit in your life. There is so much Paul says in these words. He goes on to say in 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is the new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So important. In our lives, in this world, and where we're at today, in the culture that we live in, that we no longer live for ourselves, that we live for him, and that we give ourselves to him. Folks, it does not do much good for us to be just like the world, for us to just, you know, Maybe we do our quiet time in the morning. Maybe we do our church thing on Sunday morning. Maybe we do something on Wednesday night. But the rest of the time seems like there's no God in it. I love the song that they sung, Me and God, because it talked about, I think it talked about in the morning, at the nighttime. I mean, it kind of seemed all the way through that God permeated their life all the way. That it wasn't a compartmentalized thing, that we lived it a little bit here and a little bit there. Which is the way the culture does it. The culture likes to pop in and be a part of things for a short time, for a little bit, and then bop on to something else. <laughs> we, we, we joke about guys and their clicker, right? And sitting in front of the TV. You get bored, so you got to be clicking. You got to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. That's the way I'm afraid many of us live our lives, and at times I do. Bopping from that thing to the next. God doesn't want us just bopping in and, and catching his channel every so often. 
He wants us to live there from the morning till the night and every time in between. Turn with me to, to Acts 9. To Acts 9, where we're really going to kind of focus here. And there's a longer portion of Scripture that I'm going to read. And, and I don't apologize for reading a lot of Scripture because I'll tell you, it, it's, I'd much rather have you hear that. But we're, going to, we're actually going to read all of chapter 9. And then I'll come back. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogue in Damascus. So that if he found any who were there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he named near Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So he was led by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show you how much you must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who, was raised, who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Among those whom call on, his, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night he kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him into the basket through an opening in the wall. Then he came to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, believing that he was really, um, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him 
in how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in number, living in the fear of the Lord. Why do I read all this about Paul's account of his transformed life? What does this say to us this morning in relation to his life? Verse 6, he is told what he must do. Verse 9 goes on and says, he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. Now my own thought is, Paul's gone through quite a dramatic thing here. On the road to have the Lord speak to him. And he addressed him as Lord. Paul knew who it was. And here he said he hadn't eaten or drinking anything for three days. I've got to think that going through Paul's mind, he's got to be trying to figure out what is happening. What is going on here? Why was he addressed by the Lord on the road? And now why is he blind? I think it's a pretty good time for thinking. And then Ananias in verse 13 talks about being afraid and saying, Lord, you know this guy. I know his record. I know what they're saying about him. He's come here to take the Christians down. Why are you sending me to him? He's sending him to regain his sight. He's sending him to help. Sending him in a place that, yes, he didn't want to go. But the Lord had called him to be a part of what was happening and unfolding here. And then in verse 17, I think it's about a key to the, to the whole passage. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with who? The Holy Spirit. That Paul would now have a new nature. That Paul now would be changing. That Paul now would be going counterculture. And what did he do? He went out and he started to preach Christ, right? And what did they do? They thought he was crazy. They didn't believe him, and they thought it was just trickery. Now maybe some of you have felt that way. When I became a Christian, I remember the first time that I ever started to preach, the ever, first time I ever started to share my faith was at the kitchen table on my grandparents' farm. And my family thought I was crazy. What has happened to Mike? See, I knew religion growing up. I knew it great. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. We could go back to Paul's history and say, Paul, th- Paul had the greatest upbringing. He had all the knowledge. He had all the schooling. He had everything. He could have laureled it over everybody with what he had. And what does Paul say? He says, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All that meant Nothing. For me, I had all the schooling. I was just like Paul. I had 12 years of Catholic education. And I'm not poo-pooing that. There was a lot of good things I learned. But I learned religion. 
And just like Paul. And when I came, I mean, when I came to the table and I finally knew Christ, I, I had committed my life to Christ. It took me a year to understand what that meant. And once I did, I wanted people to know. And I just remember being at the farm in Sharon, and they thought I was crazy. But I had found the Savior. I had found the living God. I had found a person that was alive, not a religion that was dead. And here, Paul, he, he comes to know the Lord. And now he goes out preaching him. He goes out sharing him. And they think he's crazy. They're scared of him. They're thinking it's just a trick that they can, he can somehow get them in and then be able to persecute him or be able to kill him. But you know, he kept going. And we don't, we don't give a, we're not given time here and, and things, but his life continued to, to share about Christ. And then it said when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Wild. But wouldn't you be? Here's the guy that's been persecuting Christians all his life. Been given licenses from the, from the religious leaders to take the, the, the Christians down. And now he's coming and he's wanting to join up with the crew. See, sometimes I think, folks, we as the church, and I, and I don't know, I don't know how to say this um, correctly. There are some groups of people that I struggle with. I'll put it that way. And I got to work alongside them last weekend at Hope Fest down in Detroit Lakes, and I'm ashamed at myself for thinking of people the way I do at times. To think, you know what? How could you be here today working? How could you be doing this? You know, there were some people there that, that, that were helping that, that I could see, but others, it's like, and I'm ashamed. And I look at this and I look at, you know, how they would be looking at him and say, Paul, how can, what are you doing here? What are you being alongside us? What are you, you know, how are you being a part of this group? I could see people not, not being real happy with him or thinking he shouldn't be a part of this. But folks, I think sometimes we as the church, we have our own little thoughts of who should be part of our club and who shouldn't be. And, and I don't think that's the way we should live. I don't think that's what we get here. We put those people on the outside. Paul was shunned, and I could see it. I mean, he was against. But when people come to know the Lord, whatever background they had, let's, let's bear with them some forgiveness and give them some grace to be able to come and be alongside us and do the same things that we're doing and be a part of our fellowship. But we go on. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had the mind of Christ. And there's so much more I could share about this section. But I want us to, to move on. I want to go back to 2 Corinthians 5 now for just a moment and just bring one verse back into our minds, into our thoughts here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, where it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, folks, in our life, and what we're doing. And sure, it's not easy to go counterculture, to go against what the world is doing. We are to live for who? 
for Christ. Not for ourselves. We no longer live for me. I no longer live for me, although, you know what? I'm still very selfish. I still have things I need to work on. I'm still very far from perfect. But I need to die to myself, which is not easy, which is not fun, which is totally counterculture, because what does the culture say we're to do today? We're to have that new car. We're to have that expensive clothing. We're to have that great food. We're to go this place and go on that vacation or whatever. The world tells us we're never to be satisfied. We're always to want more. We're never good enough with with what we have now. There's got to be something else. To be counter in here, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. And where does that renewing of our mind come from? Where do we get that renewing of our mind? From right here. We've got to be in this book. We've got to be reading it. We've got to have it part of our life, as they, again, as they sing, from the beginning of the morning to the time that we lay our head down on our pillow at night. But folks, how many of us have picked this up today yet or have picked it up even this week? And I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm trying to be real. And that comes this morning with the way I dress and stepping down here. That this book I'm finding in my own life is the only thing that's real. Is the only thing that's going to build into my life to make me like my Savior and to be what I need to be for Him. So that I can share Him with all those that I meet. See, this isn't a thing that I just live once in a while. But it's tough. It's not easy but it's worth every moment I spend. I know there's some people in this church that give and give and give and serve and serve and serve. We have them. Every church does. And that's phenomenal. But there's many who I don't think have done much. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to be real that maybe the Lord would put it on your heart to serve in some way, to, to give in some small fashion, to, to no longer live for yourself, to no longer live for myself, but to live for him, him who died for me. It wasn't like he maybe just, you know, gave up a hundred bucks or he, you know, he, you know, sacrificed a, a couple meals, maybe fasted for me for a while. No, he gave his life. And then I need to live mine like his. He's the example. I need to be counter to the culture. We as the church need to be counter to the world and what it stands for and what it does. And are we? Do we love our Savior enough to say, you know what, I'm going to stand for you no matter what it costs. I'm going to live a life counter to this world so that you show, not Mike, not me, Turn with me to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. And if, as, if any of you have heard me in the past, and, and many of you have, Colossians 3 has been a real 
key book in my life, real key chapter. Um, I call it my salvation chapter. Uh, originally, now I kind of call it my life chapter uh, because Paul, again, is phenomenal. Paul, and, and I've said it many times before, Paul is, is by far my favorite uh, guy in Scripture, favorite. But we turn to Colossians 3, and I want to read the first three verses. Says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What is Paul saying here? Since then you have been raised with Christ. He starts out, since then, if you are a Christian, I'll put it that way. Since then, now that you're a Christian, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Folks, our thoughts need to be about heaven. Our thoughts need to be about the things of God. We need to set our hearts on that. But then he goes on to say, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died. What has died? What should be dying in our life? What should be dying in our life each day? Our desire for the things of this world. We should be dying each day to the things of the world over here and living more for Christ every day over here. There should be this swap going on continuously in our life. Not something that stops. It may be small at times. At times we may, we may die a little more on some days than others. But the continuum needs to be in a direction that is growing. That we're dying to the things of this world and we're living for him. To set our minds on things above. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you also appear with him in glory. Folks, if we're sold out, if we're living for him, if we're giving up this world, if we're progressively moving away from the things of this world to the things of God, Christ will be shown in us. And we're Christ, who is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears. See, he's to be our life. Mike is to die, and Christ is to live. But too often, I still want to live myself. I got my own things I want to do. I got my own things I want to accomplish, and I let God go. We're to set our minds above, not on the things of this earth. See, back in... 2 Corinthians 5, and we won't go there, but it talks about not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, in Chip, um, the focus is not on food. It may seem like that, and that's that's what a lot of it is talked about. It's not the focus so much on the food, but it's the focus on the health that the food gives you. And see, I think in the, in the same vein here, as we look back on this, we are not in what we are talking about here in, in our sin, in our, in our waywardness, we're not to focus on those things so much as we are to focus on Christ. Focus on what God wants to do in us, what he wants us to become. So don't look at what we're not doing. I don't want us to focus and say, man, you know, in, or feel beat up this morning. 
But I do want us to say, you know what? Let's look beyond that. Let's look beyond the sin. Let's look beyond what we're not doing to what we need to be doing, to what he is calling us to do. It's not to focus on us, but to focus on him. See, folks, we're all ambassadors for the kingdom. And it just depends on what we're sharing. See, we're to be more like him. Why? So we can share and we can be that ambassador for heaven. We can be that ambassador for what God would want us to be, that in our life we have died and we put on him. And he's making his appeal through us. See, Jesus is, is, is no longer here, right? Would everybody agree with that? Jesus is no longer on this earth, right? Physically. But he is here, and who? And each one of us that's a Christian, each one of us that has him living inside. So we are his ambassadors. We are to share him. We are to be that to the world. So folks, this morning... to be counterculture, to do things differently, to be that salt and light to the earth. Is it easy? Uh Uh-uh. Not one bit. But is it what we're called to do? Is it what this Bible tells us that we're to do with our life? Are we to live this life right now for ourselves? That, That it's all about us or all about our family or all about what we want to do? No, it's about him. So how do we apply this? Galatians 2.20 tells us that no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So if he does, am I to live just like the world? Am I to live just doing the things that, that, that the world is a part of? No. So I ask a couple simple questions as I wrap up. What is your mind focused on this morning? We all have to be focused on something. What is your mind focused on? Is it here this morning? Is it here listening? Has it been to the music that has been sung? Or is it off somewhere else? Is it focused maybe on what's that next thing we're going to buy? Or maybe that next place we're going to go? Or what... Summer is going to unfold. We have the 4th of July weekend ahead of us, right? Maybe it's what you're going to be doing after you leave here. You're heading to the lake or you're going camping or you're doing something. Folks, I'm just hoping that we see the value of our mind being focused on him, not on the things of this world, that we be focused on the things of Christ. Because I see it just so easy to be focused on the things of the world, and to be focused on the culture around us. It affects us. It influences us. It, 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 I, I mean, it's, it's a, it can be a drain. I mean, we're, we're so influenced by it, and I think at times we just don't see it. And I'll wrap up with this scripture again. Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing comes through his word. His renewing comes through us. Um, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm not thinking of the word now. Um, um, us uh, connecting with one another. 
We need, to, we need to have that connection with one another. We need to have that building up of us together as believers to strengthen and to encourage one of us to do that. So we need to be in his word. We need to be encouraged by one another. And we need to be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world. Is it easy, folks? Not. Not at all. But you know, I don't find ever in Scripture where Jesus said it was easy. And if I look at the pattern of his life, his life was not a cakewalk. Was it, Mark? Was Jesus' life a cakewalk? I don't think so. It was pretty difficult. Um, but we are still, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm not going to know the passage of Scripture. But where they talked about, uh, they went to it and they were asking this wise man about whatever. What should we do with this Jesus guy? And he said, well, there were these other people that came and, and had followers for a while. And they, they uh, you know, went by the wayside eventually. Um, just, just leave Jesus alone, and if he's real, you aren't going to be able to do anything about it, and if he's false, it'll go by the wayside. Well, folks, I believe he's still real because many of you, if you believe in him here and are living your life for him, and he continues, and, and we want that to continue. So this morning, I just, uh, I just pray that uh, we would be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind, And we would see the value of being counter to the culture, counter to what this world has to offer today, counter to what is so easily and prevalent in our our society this morning. So, Father, I do thank you for this opportunity this morning. Lord, to come to your house, to be able to, to, uh, Lord, connect with one another, to have a a life, Lord, that uh, is surrounded by you, and again, as it was sung this morning, Lord, that we need to be, you need to be a part of our life from the very beginning when we open our eyes, Lord, to when we lay our head down on your pillow. Lord, I thank you for each one here that's living for you. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind through your word. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for your Holy Spirit and the work you're doing in our lives. Lord, we commit it all to you and pray it all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.